Welcome to The Mother-Daughter Journey, a podcast for women working through the tenuous transition of a maturing mother-daughter relationship. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. We know firsthand that the mother-daughter relationship is one of the most fabulous, yet frustrating, relationships you are ever going to have. Even so, we're best friends, business partners, and of course, mother and daughter. So join us as we share our ongoing journey and the lessons we've learned along the way. Hi, everybody. I'm Abigail. And I'm Kelly. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are sitting here today. Honestly, we were tossing up a few different ideas of what to bring to you guys today. And we decided we'd actually finish the expectations puzzle for you. There you go. (laughs) I know. Right? Two episodes and we're not actually done with it yet. And that's how extensive this expectations topic is. So today, the last piece of the puzzle is talking about letting go of expectations. I feel like there's never a last piece to a puzzle. The last piece that we've kind of discovered in this journey so far. Fair point. But yes, letting go of expectations and what that really means. When to do it, when not to do it. (laughs) So let's dive into that a little more, K-Dog. I know before we hit the record button, you were talking about how for you as a mother, letting go of expectations really was something you realized you had to do after the expectations weren't met. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say weren't met because my life and being your mother was more than I've expected. Like, you know, and your sister's mother, you're so much more than I could have imagined. Stop it. You can make me cry. Oh, girl. (laughs) No, but seriously, I'm. it's true. It's true. It's more than I could have ever imagined. So to say that I had to adjust after expectations weren't met... That's like really the little kind of picture that I had in my mind or the naive picture I had in my mind never being a mother, right? Just that societal picture, the movie picture, the picture that my mother showed me, you know, what it should be like. And I use that as a four-letter word, should. It's a four-letter word? It's not a four-letter word, but I consider it a swear word. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. (laughs) I was like, wait a second. I think you need to recount that. (laughs) Spell that out now. Okay, I see. Yes, actually, so you saying that, you know, what it, it should look like, knowing, knowing the way I know you now and you having talked about your experience as a child, it may have looked like that, but it definitely wasn't, right? It wasn't that picture-perfect, happy little well, hallmark. No, n- nothing is. That's my point, right? I think you alluded to at some point in one of our conversations, because that's what we're having, that's what we have, that everybody experiences some sort of trauma on some level. Right. Right? right. Not intended trauma in many instances, right? Everybody's parents, for the most part, are doing the best that they can. And once they know better... Like in our scenario, you adjust and you do better. But that being said, because we take everything from our own experiences, our own perceptions, our own beliefs, things that aren't intended happen and we all experience some sort of trauma. So yes, growing up for both of us, not just for me, where we have this picture or this exterior picture that looks into your household. You go to church, right? You spend a lot of time together. You have family Fridays. You, you know, have this big Christmas tree. You're always on the ball field. All of these things from the outside looking in. Kids are getting good grades and they're involved in all sorts of school activities and and sports and they're so sociable and they have so many friends and they're doing so well. And they're so respectful, (laughs) right? There's a picture out there of what a good, and I do that in quotes, what a good family looks like. And that's what the picture that you have in your mind 
when you're thinking about having children and when you have children and you're sitting there in your rocking chair in the middle of the night with baby awake and needing to eat and these are the pictures that you fill in your head the dancing lessons and the pretty little easter dresses (laughs) and all the wonderful things that actually do happen right but there's a whole lot of other poo that happens in there as well (laughs) for lack of a better word i know she said poo no. <laughs> I was trying to have an episode where we didn't swear damn it <laughs> well there goes that down the toilet you already said should so a little this too is, little too late this is true this is true so I, I just wanted to get that out there that it wasn't like an expectation that wasn't met in this like okay. oh it didn't live up to this wonderful thing I had in my mind there's no way it can Every single mother, child, person is bewildered at some point in their family with each other, with how things turned out. Like, how did we get here? I mean, it's just the reality of life. Right, right. I mean, there's so much that goes into play with that, right? Like we've both said, the expectations that you created naively when I was crying my head off in your arms as a child. and This girl never slept through the night. I, I, think, I don't <laughs> think she's, I think she still doesn't, but that's beside the point. I don't, but that's beside the point. Actually, you made me lose track of what I was going to say there. Pretty little picture. Pretty little picture. Oh, those expectations are created by the reality that you had at the moment how you perceived life and... Well, these are those societal pressures that those, I talked about, right? Right. I mean, maybe pressure isn't the right word, but society influences. influences. Thank you. They paint a picture. There's a picture, Hallmark movies at Christmas. There's... Speaking of, oh, Hallmark's happening soon, guys. No, it's already started. <gasps> oh my God. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but just, you know, Disney movies, just, just a picture that you look at of an ideal family, right? The whole Norman Rockwell sitting around the Thanksgiving table. There is a picture that we all have. I do have to pin you. I'm sorry, guys. Keep going all over the place. Disney probably isn't the best example to throw in with that. True that. Mother always dies or somebody always always dies. Somebody was always dead. (laughs) Okay, anyway. True. (laughs) So anyway, we've used a lot of words to kind of, I guess, make you understand or try to paint the picture, as that's what we're doing today, is painting pictures or talking about pictures that are out there that we all adapt as what our family should look like, Mm -hmm. whether we're taking it from our own family experience of what we believed was, you know, this perfect family or what our family should be like. Whether we're taking it from media. Media, family. I mean, let's, not to confuse the issue, but let's, let's talk about like Portuguese families or Italian families or because we live in Rhode Island. You've, you dated. I did. A Portuguese boy that came from a very strong Portuguese family, you know, with traditions that the family expected to be kind of be upheld. The fact that you weren't Portuguese kind of bucked one of those right out of the gate. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a problem right from the get go. But you know, also, also digressing. Yes. And so it comes from all places. It, it does come from all places. It comes from, like you said, just family traditions and culture. It comes from religion. It comes from media. Yes. And the problem is, is we create expectations based on those influences and not based on our true selves right i mean we don't actually i shouldn't say we as a whole culture i didn't and i did not either (laughs) as a mother going into this really think about how do i want to design my family right i was parenting from all the exterior influences i was a young mom first off i got married at 19 had your sister at 22 had you at 24 right so i was a young mom 
I leaned on my parents heavily, or at least their opinion of what I should do heavily. And yeah, also, you turned out okay. I mean, I think so. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I didn't. I didn't look at that picture. It was kind of like you just you know, accepted it. It's like what they say when you're building a business, right? Like, you know, jump out of the airplane and build the parachute on the way down. That's kind of how I approached parenting, I think, when I look back at it. You're probably not the only one, I think. (laughs) Right. No, I think many people do that. I think you don't really think about what do I want my family to look like. You have a picture in your mind. No, you think, what is my family supposed to look like? Yes. Yes. Many times. Not everybody, but more people than I know. Right? right. Like that's the scenario for the majority of people I know. I mean, there are people out there that are designing their own families and I admire them greatly. But the majority of the people that I know kind of build the parachute on the way down. They don't actually yeah. have their own picture of what they want their family to look like. They have an impression that's been influenced from some exterior force. And that being said, even if you do, and, and I'm not a parent, so I'm just making assumptions here, but even if you do... If you had sat down and thought about the family that you want to design, right? And what you want your children to know inherently about love and the world and how to treat people and and all of that, right? Things that you find not valuable. The the morals that you hold in high standing, right? So I'm just the way that I would like my ideal world, right? Let's just call it my ideal world. Even if you did take the time to think about what your ideal expectations of your family are, they're probably still not going to be met because you can only control you. You. Oh, you didn't let me do the drum roll. Drum roll, please. <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, geez, now that you say that, that's probably the first lesson, right? Or the first thing that we should talk about when it comes to expectations. And we never letting even go of expectations. It. Letting anyway. go of expectations. Correct. Is, is that the only person that you can control and the only happiness that you can control is your own, even in a family. Truth bomb. Yeah. I mean, it's not your, this is going to sound really radical, ladies. Uh-oh. But your child's happiness is not your job. Wow my belief no i i don't not i don't disagree with you it's what you say to your child about other people nobody's happiness is your responsibility but your own right and so as difficult as it must be for you mothers out there to even comprehend that whole wait wait a second their happiness my happiness is tied to their happiness so why would their happiness not be my responsibility yeah that's that's a hard thing to wrap your brain around i'm sure but And it's a hard expectation to let go of, that their happiness is not on you. And that's an expectation you set on yourself. Of course. That that didn't even come from societal pressure or some exterior force. That's just innate to a mother. You want your children to be happy. Right. And you want to do everything you possibly can to ensure that happiness. And there's no flipping way you can do that. (laughs) There just really is no... There's just no flipping way. I love that. (laughs) Well, there isn't. No, there isn't. You're right. There is for a short time in life, right? When your children are home with you and they're infants and they haven't gone out into preschool and they live in your little bubble... (laughs) Right. Right. And even then, you can't make them happy every second of the day. No, of course not. But you can divert them to things that will take their attention to, you know, to make them happy. To joy. Or to to bring them, you know, distraction, whatever. You know what I'm saying. But once they, once you drop them off at preschool or you drop them off at school bus or 
they go to their cousin's house. I was going to say, I never went to preschool, so. This is how come she doesn't like to share food. This is exactly why I don't like to share anything. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a different story. That's what she likes to tell me anyway. (laughs) But my point is, is as soon as they leave your bubble and they start experiencing other people, there's a chance that they're not going to be happy with something that happens in the world. There's a chance that an experience they have outside of your world is going to affect their perspective of themselves of the world of you yes it's an it's inevitable that it, it wouldn't right that's that's part of being human <laughs> so there's this shift that needs to happen letting go of that expectation that you are in control of your child's happiness and that it's your job to ensure that they're happy that's a hard expectation to let go of so while we're talking about self-imposed expectations i would like to mention that for something similar on the daughter's side, right? And oh, please do. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Yes. So it's a similar-ish experience that I had, at least as a daughter. And I did touch about it before when we talked about perceived expectations, right? Was just wanting to make you and my dad and my whole family, but especially my mom, proud, right? And not wanting to disappoint or fail the perceived expectations that I thought you had of me. And when it really comes, what that really comes down to is those were expectations I created for myself and I projected them onto you. Right. Like that's what a perceived expectation is when you break it down. It's it's something that you set for yourself that you impose on yourself. And so that desire to want to do whatever you, you can to make your parent proud That is a self-imposed expectation that we need to let go of. And if we examine that a little bit more, what is that desire to make your parent proud? I mean, it's probably has many levels to it, but on the surface, it's you want your parents to be happy. You want your parents to be happy. You want your parents to accept you. Yes. You don't want, you don't don't want to be rejected. You don't want to be rejected. Exactly. Right. And so you want to meet the expectations that you think they have. So that you don't feel rejected. Or you're not responsible for your parents not being happy. And so while us parents, mothers, I should just be saying mothers because that's what this is about, mothers and daughters, although I'm sure it's relevant to fathers and daughters and fathers and sons and mothers and sons, (laughs) it's just not the world I know. While we're busy thinking we're responsible for our children's happiness and we're trying to keep up with that expectation and we are bending over backwards and... I don't know what the word I'm trying to use is, but compromising ourselves because many times we do compromise our wants and our needs for our children's and we should to some extent. But when it comes to bending over backwards to provide a happiness that's not our responsibility in the first place, that's what we've taught our children, that it is their responsibility to make other people happy, which is impossible. Impossible, right. And so literally by... So the verbal message that we receive is, you know, it's not your job to make anyone else happy. You can only control your own actions is being refuted by the actions that we see. Correct. So we're getting mixed messages. Correct. Interesting. I never actually really thought about that until right now. Correct. (laughs) And it's, I'm not going to say that it starts there because don't get me wrong. Every parent, I'm going to continue to try to do things that make you happy. Right. I'm always going to well, do course. things to That's make what you, you happy do for the people you love. And you're going to do that for me. But you can't accept that res- as a responsibility. You can't accept the whole weight of somebody else's happiness as 
your own responsibility. There's a, a line there. Correct. And so for you and I, in our world. A couple of people pleasers. Well, a couple of people pleasers and just all the things that we went through, right? Depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations. I'm, I'm pretty sure you have um, undiagnosed ADD. That too. Like <laughs> just all of the things that you and I have gone through. Of course, the mother wants to make that better. Right. Especially when you're sitting in a room where you know the reason the power of the love is what had us keep, you know, keep going. Right? Right. So to let go of that for a more healthier relationship and a more healthier image of ourselves is tough, but necessary. But necessary. Yeah. And so it does kind of start with letting go of the expectation of the pretty little picture. Right. And it, and that does go both ways. Like you were saying at the very beginning of this episode, for you, the pretty little picture was, you know, they're going to grow up and be happy and successful and little house. And we're going to be a happy, pretty little family with the dog. And for the child, it's I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be successful and make a lot of money and pay for my parents' retirement. <laughs> oh, you are? Nice. I wish that would be nice, <laughs> but we need to, but yes, to, to go back to the point is those expectations, we need to let go of them because there's so much we can't control in this life. Exactly. And so again, we're talking about easier said than done concepts, Oh yeah, right? It takes a lot of work to be able to do that. It's a never ending journey. It is. It really is. So right? We're talking about being responsible for other people's happiness. You need to accept that you're not responsible for other people's happiness. With this expectation in particular. Well, with, yes, but I think, I think it probably would tie into every expectation. True. You have to accept that you're not responsible for other people's happiness, which means nobody else is responsible for yours, right? Also very true. So the if my husband would just do this, I could be happy. If my daughter would spend more quality time with me, then I would be happy. If my mother could just understand me, then I would be happy, right? In order to let go of expectations, I think of any sort, especially when we're talking about the mother-daughter relationship, it fundamentally starts with accepting the knowledge that you are not responsible for their happiness, and no one else is responsible for yours. That is your work and your work alone. Right. And that is a, another winding path. It is. And that's, that is part of this whole growing individually but together thing. Right? Like, Correct. Which we'll probably routinely talk about. Because a lot of this work is something that you need to do on your own. Because of exactly what K-Dog just said. Nobody else is responsible for your happiness. Nobody else is responsible for your healing or your growth. But that being said, there are things you can do together. There there are things that you can do together. And when it comes to expectations, the very heavy topic of expectations, being able to practice vocalizing, setting them, defining them, defining whether there's something you can meet or not, whether there's something that's unrealistic or not, and then letting go of expectations that don't serve you and your relationship, that is definitely something you can work on together. 
like next to each other. You can practice together, right? It's like, it's well, the communication part of it's that, right? Exactly. You well, can. I was going to actually just relate it to learning a new language. Interesting. Do tell. Well, for instance, say you and I both wanted to learn Japanese. Well, there's no surprise I went to Japanese because I am. We both don't want to learn that. Just throwing it out there. But anyway. (laughs) But so let's just say we both wanted to learn Japanese. There are some things that we need to do on our own. We can only do our own when it comes to studying, studying, practice, practicing the writing and well, drawing for some of it. Right. Because whatever. They're pictures. Yeah, I get it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. Some of that is only something that we have to do on our own. That's that's learning and growing. That has to be done individually. And then coming together and speaking about what we learned. and Or even sitting in the class together. Or sitting in a class together. Or having conversations in Japanese and trying to, you know, get better at it together through communication. I don't know why that's how my brain related this, but... That's what I have for you guys. It's like learning a new language. You got to study on your own, but then you have to come together and practice and speak to each other to really get a feel for it. No, it's a good analogy. It's a yes, it is a good analogy to relate this back to inner growth and, you know, what we're talking about. We could (laughs) we could talk about you and I taking Reiki one together. Right. Right. She talked about Abigail talked about meditation, which is something that we both do. She's a little better at it than I am. I'm still working on quieting my mind enough to have, you know, have that be beneficial for me. It's, oh, there, there it's, are days it's, it's a just practice happening because of that. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> but we thought Reiki 1 would be something that would help us along that path. Kind of become more in tune with our own energies, be able to do a little bit of like energy healing on ourselves, kind of gauge where our body is, all the different um, chakras and... Mm-hmm things of that nature even if you don't believe in chakras or you know energy healing you can't deny the fact that your brain thinks your throat speaks you feel things in your heart you feel things in your gut and you have intuition so to put it just in layman's terms right and that is something that we went to all day it was an all-day training that we went to together but then we had to come home and we had to practice on our own We have to assess how our own body is feeling. We have to assess on clearing our throats or using our voices to express our feelings and express our regrets, express our apologies when they need to be said. Just you got to use your voice. You have to be able to calm your mind in order to be able to meditate, in order to be able to let go of expectations and just even recognize and sift that you have them right Right. and to to be able sorry i'm sitting here nodding like yeah we do that frequently these are all good points (laughs) right you have to be able to quiet your mind you have to be able to spend some time alone quietly not distracting yourself to be able to sift through these things right we are in a culture of you know groove 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 move 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 and a lot of that is so that we don't have to feel and we we don't don't have have to sit down and think about and we don't have to think And there's really no way to proceed in healthy relationships where you're kind of accepting all of these things and moving forward and growing without 
being able to quiet the mind and have some alone time, whether you're journaling, whether you're reading, whether you're listening to music, whether you're doing a puzzle, whatever it is. Some mindful walking. I like that every now and then. Exactly. So spending some time alone and being able to assess Mm -hmm. the pictures that you held in your mind, assess whether your happiness or unhappiness is yours or your child's, Mm. right? Are you assimilating your child's emotions? Are you unable to be... And this is going to be even harder for those mothers that are empaths like K-Dog over here, so... Yes. And don't get me wrong. I feel every pain that both of my children have. I feel every nervousness. I, I feel that all. But in order for me to support them fully in a manner that they would want to be supported in, I have to recognize that it's theirs and not mine. Right. Right? I have to be able to stay mentally healthy or... Detached almost. No, definitely not detached. That's something a mother is never going to be. But I know what you're saying. To a, to the degree where you can separate or compartmentalize it. Okay. Is that the right word? I mean, it might be. I have a hard time with that, but it, it might be. <laughs> it might be. Just really being able to recognize that your heartache when you break up with that boy or your heartache when you don't get the part you wanted in the play or your heartache in, I don't know, just in general, your heartache is not mine. Or your responsibility to fix. I guess that's the one. It, it is mine because I feel that. Right. Right. I feel your heartache. But at the end of the day, I need to be able to separate that from there's nothing for me to do except for to be here to listen and to hug. Right. Right. And so... And give advice when asked for it. Right. So that was the next expectation I was going to talk about. So then we have to realize that the next expectation that we have to let go of is that we can do something about it, right? That we can fix it. We can advise and tell you how we would do it. Because I know how I received that from my mother. I was going to say, that's just going to push us right back into like rebel mode. (laughs) Or mom doesn't think I can handle my own life. Or mom... Exactly. Our mom doesn't think I'm, I'm capable. She doesn't think I can work it out. She doesn't think I can be sad. She doesn't think I can handle being I sad. I still revert to that sometimes in silly situations. Like we, I just did it the other day, I think, when we were in the store. I don't even remember the specifics, but you said something like, oh, don't forget that. And it was... Oh, she did. You did do that to me. Right? Yes. I don't remember the specifics at all. But you were like, oh, don't forget to... to I'm, hey, I'm, put that on the thing or whatever. I'm, I'm like rolling through the Rolodex of, of where we were. I'm like painting a really great picture for you guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very clear, no. But at the point of the, the moral of this little tidbit is that we were in a store. She said something to me that was more for her own peace of mind than it was. It wasn't even peace of mind. I think I was excited. I was excited oh, about that's something. that's what it was. You were, exci- you were excited about it. You're like, oh, hey, don't forget. And I, I like immediately was like, who do you think I am? Why the F would I forget that? Like, I'm not capable of remembering that. Yes. And then she gave me a look as I was walking away because I was going to the bathroom or something. <laughs> I in don't the give store. looks. Oh, goodness gracious. I was going to the bathroom or going to grab something else. And she gave me a look. And then... We checked out and we got to the car and she said to me, in the future, don't tell me obvious things. I I obviously knew that. I said to her very calmly, it wasn't about me thinking that you 
wouldn't remember or that you needed to be reminded. It was that I was excited about it. And so I just was like, oh, don't forget that part because it's super exciting. It wasn't, you know. Right. And I obviously know that now after we talked about it and you communicated that. And that's expectation work that I need to do. Yes. But I know what you're saying as far as the advice is going. That was just something simple in a grocery store. Like that was so minute and simple that you took it that way. That's So that's what I mean, though. That was just a tiny little blip in our day to day that at the end of the day is irrelevant. And so when it comes to actual big life choices and issues, we're probably, oh, me, would react even more strongly. I mean, we can go back to instances because this can be taken in so many, like, the different daughter is going to internalize this in, in a million different ways. Right. Right. You, like you said, the rebel. Like for me, I, with my mom, who suffers from OCD, and things for her need to be in their perfect place. For mm-hmm. her, there is a way things should be done. Yes. And for a long time, I heard the words, well, that table should be over there. Or your couch shouldn't be set up in a line because it looks like an army barracks, right? I took those things as, well, the things that I like are incorrect. And so then I I got a tood, which isn't helpful. Oh, you were always the rebel. It, right? That is how I internalize those kind of statements. I've come to realize that that has nothing to do with my taste and that she thinks I don't have good taste. It's everything to do with my mom suffers from OCD and things have an order. For her to be able to function in her day-to-day She needs to be able to control things in her mind. Mm -hmm. And that's how she vocalizes that so that she can function in her day to day. Has nothing to do with me. And so that actually brings up an interesting viewpoint. An interesting way to look at letting go of expectations is, right, like my grandmother is not going to let go of the expectations that she has, at least not where she, like right at the moment of how things should be. Like you were just saying, like those, those expectations of everything in its place and in a place everything right everything has its spot yes, she has those a, aren't going to change those aren't going to change so you and I and everybody else who doesn't have the same expectations needs to recognize recognize and let go of her expectations does that even make sense it does it does because because it, they're not your own and so that you don't need to hold on to them well for a long time I would I mean I think we all would in the family Knowing that, I'm not going to say suffering, but I'm going to say living with OCD, which you yourself know isn't easy. We all thought, I should speak for myself, I thought, well, that's not a hard ask. Well, that's not a hard ask. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not a hard ask. So it's not that hard. Why can't I do it? But then when you pile on those asks where there's 20 asks, just saying, (laughs) I don't know how many asks there are, I'm just saying... Those, those small asks pile up to the point of where every decision you're making, when it comes to that relationship, I don't mean in life, but when it comes to that interaction, is coming from the viewpoint of, well, they have this condition, they need to be in control, it's not that hard to do, so I should just do it. And that means that I'm putting somebody else's needs constantly in a relationship above my own when I take that standpoint. And so there's another place where I've had to let go of the expectation where not only is my daughter's happiness not my responsibility, neither is my mother's. That's what I've been saying to you. That's what I just said at the beginning of this. You're right. (laughs) You're right. Yeah, but for somebody who is both, right? That's Yeah, you have 
double the work to do almost. Right. Not almost. You have double the work to do. You do. And so in letting go of expectations, there's a lot to that. So not only are expectations, perceptions, beliefs, experiences all rolled into where expectations come from, but now we're adding in emotions and we're adding in individuality or independence, right? There's a free whole will. free will. There's, okay. There's a whole lot that goes into the realm of expectations and letting go of expectations. There's so, a lot of things that you have to recognize and and being able to let go of expectations all comes to inner work. It all comes mm-hmm. to realizing that you're responsible for your own happiness and that comes first. Mm. Not not in a selfish way, but in order to be no, able to I... support your mother and be able to support your daughter and be able to support anybody. I mean, it seems right. like so rudimentary, but you have your happiness comes first. See, it, it does when you say it like that it seems so rudimentary, but it is anything but for most people. Correct. Right? Because like we said earlier on, we kind of fall into what what happens is when you were a child, you fell into the expectations that your mother had for you of, you know, what you should be doing. And then as you grew into a mother, you continued those expectations, just how you should behave as a mother. And we're on a tangent. I lost it again. Gosh, darn it. I had I was gold, too. I just had oh, something that was gold. I hate it when that happens. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be editing this part out later, folks. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know what you're saying. And so I don't want to like... because I don't. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but like there's a hierarchy to to letting go of expectations. And and first is recognizing... Oh, she's remembering. She's pointing to herself. I remember. Okay. It's... Bring it home, doodle. Bring it home. It's not... It's not as rudimentary as you would think because like you were saying earlier... Once you've adopted those expectations and you kind of, that's what you end up teaching the next generation. You should be meeting other people's expectations to fulfill their happiness and to make them happy, even at the expense of your own. And these are the things that we need to let go of, folks. Yep. These are the things we need to let go of. And, and these are just some of the things. There are, there are so many things when it comes to a family and it comes to relationships and it comes to the mother-daughter relationship. But really... I think the first step, which I've said, is measuring the lens of, yes, I want to be there for my child. Yes, I want to support my child. I want to encourage my child. I want to let her know I believe in her 100%. I think that catch you, K-Dog. I mean, I think that you can do anything, but that doesn't mean it needs to be done in my way, and I need to let go of the expectation that it does. And so do you. Right, and I need to let go of the expectation that Gosh, who, who even knows where this came from? But the expectation that I'm not going to be loved if I don't meet those. Yeah, I have no idea where that came from. But that's, <laughs> I don't. You know, the, these are the things that we do I in our minds. I think it's a past life trauma I'm working through, <laughs> to be honest. But These are things that we do in our own mind. There is another point that I want to revisit with this. We touched on, like, don't give advice. And that's another whole episode that we will probably address, like when kids come to you or even parents, because let's break that stigma. Like, I go to Abigail with things that are bothering me now. I go to her when I'm sad, when I have a problem. I may be younger, but I have good input. Well, it's not even a matter of input. You're my best friend. It's a matter of me being able to talk about those things without you fixing, right? Mm -hmm. Just, Just somewhere for me to vocalize them. And it's also prudent to say that this isn't something that we were able to master on our own. You and I have both been in therapy. Oh, a right. lot of, a lot of this work, especially the 
communication work involved with with expectations, right? With Well, that's a course that we're actually in the middle of taking. It is, and, and something that we'll be designing to help guide you folks through it all. But we spent a lot of time in, in dual therapy together. Like, well, our own originally. Yeah, individual therapy sessions and then coming back together and talking about all of these and with a with a third party. Because as we stated, setting. things are emotionally charged. They always will be. Mm-hmm. And when you're first trying to get through this, for us, we needed that third party to be able to have the courage to say some of the things that we've said to each other. That needed to be said. That needed to be said. So that is also one way one modality, one tool in the toolbox of letting go of expectations is yes. getting a third party, whether it be a mediator, whether it be a family member who loves you both and, and is objective, whether it be a therapist. Like sometimes you just need a third party. They don't call it an intervention for nothing. <laughs> right. And I think there's one other point that I'd, I'd like to make when we're talking about trying to fix things for our kids, which again will probably be a whole episode. But there is the other way that kids look at that, or not just kids, but people in general. Like I do it with my husband sometimes because he worries. He's a he's a fixer, and so sometimes when he's trying to fix something for me, I can I can fall into a role of thinking, "Well, I I need him to because I can't do it because he thinks I can't do it." Right? He's nervous that I can't do it, so then so I, I must not be able. So to do I it. must not be able to do it. And when you're the parental, oh, yeah, I've been there. And when you're the parental unit, especially with you and I, yep, and everything that you were going through trying to... I was going to say, yeah, I've been there a lot, actually. Well, yes, because you were working through mental illnesses. You were, you were working through your mind, and you didn't trust it. and Not one bit. Right? And you, when I was trying to protect you from things, like, oh, I didn't want you to be stressed, or I didn't want you to mm-hmm. feel the pressure of that, or I made things easy on you because I was afraid, really what I was doing was hindering a little bit. Because there were times when you were thinking, well, if mom doesn't think I can do it and she needs to do it for me. Right. Then, right. I may I'm def- be- then I'm not capable. Then I'm not capable. Right. Right. I mean, your sister has done it. Your aunt has done it like that. We've all, this is another episode, but when there's, when there's somebody learning how to live and honor an illness, whether it be a physical illness or a mental illness, we all want to make it easier. We all want to give advice we all want to say well if you did it this way if you did that if you took this medication and because we want it fixed for us because it's uncomfortable I think that's that's the key that we don't have time to dive into but that right there that you just said k-dog is a huge topic it is but I'm going to bring it back to expectations well we're busy thinking that our children's or our mothers or our husbands or anybody's happiness is our responsibility essentially what we're telling them is your happiness is not your responsibility and everyone else's happiness is yours and so that's the expectation that we need to learn to let go of I mean there's a lot of expectations that we need to learn to let go of but this one is key in the relationship I yes I agree absolutely is that we need to let go of the expectation that we are responsible for each other's happiness yes we're going to affect each other emotions. Yes, we're going to say things that hurt each other. Yes, we're going to that's, disappoint that's each other. That's what happens when you love people right? and are loved by people, like unfortunately, Th- or fortunately, however you want to look at it. Those things are going to happen, but they're just emotions. They're just feelings. Just invite them in like, a, you know, for a cup of coffee. I don't drink coffee anymore for the most for part. For a cup of tea. But I'm just saying, it's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay mm-hmm. to feel sad. It's okay to feel angry. Is it unpleasant? 
Yes. Yes. But it's okay to have those feelings. It doesn't mean the other person is going to think less of you. They shouldn't. And if they do, that's still not a you problem. <laughs> no. It's a them problem. That's a them problem. And so you can see there's all this level as we're talking about expectations of letting go of expectations that you have to look at when you're looking at a relationship. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not really sure. I feel like we've covered as much as we possibly could at this point on... Well, our time is definitely coming to an end. I feel like this is a longer episode than normal. It is. And we've... just in, I'm saying with expectations in general, I, I think we've done a pretty good job of diving into it all and... And you can see that there are many other topics that will get explored and that will be revisited from expectations. Right. right. Um, because they roll in like all of these things roll into each other. But recognizing your expectations, recognizing whether they're realistic or unrealistic, whether they're your own or somebody else's, whether you can honor the expectation another person is having or whether somebody should be honoring yours and then letting go of them when you realize that they're not is all a whole heck of a lot of work, hard work, but it's so fruitful. So fruitful. Absolutely. It's in my opinion... Part of why we started with this and spent three episodes on it is because it's part of the groundwork, honestly, for moving forward together and and having that healthy communication and healthy and deep connected relationship. Correct. You have to be able to recognize your shit. Yeah. Recognize your shit. Explicit and, episode it is. And then, <laughs> <laughs> yep. and then you will be able to move on to learning how to talk about it. And with that, folks, since we have definitely gone over our, I'm not going to say allotted time, but gone over the time we wanted to keep you here, we will talk to you next week. Stay tuned to learn more. We are going to be diving into some more heavy topics, moving away from expectations for a bit. Can't wait to talk to you about some more of this fun stuff. See you next time. Thanks for joining us on our journey today. If you liked what you heard and are looking for more, make sure to leave us a review and subscribe to this podcast. You can also follow us on social media, but for the most fun, go find us on TikTok at The Mother Daughter Journey. See you next time.